Hi, and welcome to The Point Being, the Arizona Daily Star's Opinion Page Podcast. I'm Sarah Garrett-Gasson, the Opinion Page Editor, and I'm here with David Fitzsimmons. Hello. Our columnist and cartoonist, and Edward Salaya, our hey, opinion writer. Hey, how's it going? And he is also the producer of this fine podcast, which we hope you enjoy. So the big news uh, that is coming out of TUSD, because there's always something coming out of the Tucson Unified School District, uh, is the ongoing saga and controversy over their proposed family life curriculum, in which they dare to talk about how people aren't all the same, how consent is something that we should be talking about and kids should be learning about, that good decision-making is a thing, and, um, you know, medically accurate uh, information about people and gender identity and sexual orientation and all of that. You summarized that very well, I thought. Well, thank you. Thank you. More or less information, you know, for the year 2019. Yeah. And uh, so there have been a lot of opponents. We uh, can point out that many of those opponents are not from within the Tucson Unified School District. They don't have kids in the Unified School District, Tucson Unified School District. And even if they did, they could opt out and Mm -hmm. not have their kids exposed to uh, apparently ungodly, medically accurate information. (laughs) You can probably tell where I stand on this issue. So, uh... Edward, what do you what do you think? Oh, wow. So I think that obviously the opposition around this is overblown, inaccurate, and just wrong. Um, obviously, uh, in an ideal world, parents would have all of this information and be able to impart it to their children. We don't live in that ideal world. And in this world that we live in, public schools uh, take on this mantle to help educate and inform students of what is medically and scientifically accurate. Uh, To me, there is nothing in here that's uh, opposable, uh, really. Uh, It sounds like they're just trying to make better citizens and more informed uh, young adults uh, that can walk walk among us. Yeah, I agree. It sounds like they just simply want to prevent disease and misery. Yeah. That's a very bold goal. That's not what it says in my Bible. That's right, son. Um, You know, whenever we talk about education, I always immediately conjure up a very romantic view of the classroom. Mm. You know, I picture the best teacher in the world and every student is engaged. But when, when when this issue came up, my first thought was an acquaintance of mine who was a middle school uh, health teacher and she had to teach sex ed. On one occasion, I was visiting with her. Hey, how's it going? She said, ah, the district cannot pay me enough to say the word penis in front of 13-year-old boys <laughs> ever again. <laughs> that's, that's probably the truth of those classes. Um, you know, I'm trying to be sympathetic as well towards the critics. It's kind of a struggle. I'm trying to think, okay, what motivates this? Uh-huh. Somehow, uh, from my uh, complete ignorance of what motivates it, I imagine that maybe a couple of local preachers, you know, Ooh. it's you know, it's kind of boring out there in the pews, and we got to do something to get a little excitement going. We got to do something together. Let's cancel that picnic this weekend, and instead, let's go down to TUSD and give them what for. Well, yeah, it's there are several congregations, and if you look at the flyers that are being passed out, there there are. Um, Christian and evangelical 
organizations that are a part of this, like for Tucson, uh, had some folks who were um, uh, speaking up uh, and yeah. I uh, against against this. And the thing that that I don't understand, well, I can understand why someone who has a kid in TUSD would, you know, might object. If you don't think that this is appropriate for your kid to know, you want to deal with it at home, more power to you. You are entirely able to do that. And you have an avenue in which you can do that. Right. And and one of the, the speakers, a young woman who I think uh, was named Genesis, and yes. I'm not recalling yep. her last mm-hmm. name, but she uh, stood up to speak and talking about, you know, the role of parents in doing this and mentioned that her parents kept her out of the sex ed and family life curriculum uh, in middle school because they thought that it was not appropriate for the school to be teaching that, that it was something they wanted to do at home and and I just thought that is the the case study for how this should operate. Exactly. It mm-hmm. was her family made a decision. They took care of things the way they saw fit. And I don't understand the this the idea that I'm offended, so you shouldn't be able to do something. Ah, good point. Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, to me, and I, I'm. I think we've kind of talked about it a little before. What is interesting to me is you always hear, whether it's a science curriculum or sex ed, you always hear the, uh, this is a violation of my faith. What's a little different in um, that you're hearing from some of the opponents here in this argument is this is in opposition to my culture. Uh, And the culture that they are alluding to is Hispanic culture. And I think the reason for this is twofold that they're bringing this up. Number one, I think that it is that um, they're sophisticated enough to realize that the world that we live in today is a little bit more liberal uh, societal-wise. And that bringing bringing the faith, making faith the number one uh, sort of argument here would probably bring unwelcome scrutiny back to their, their congregations at home. Uh, and so bringing it up more as a culture thing kind of gives them a little bit of something to hide behind. Number two, I think it, what it does is it kind of sends a message to TUSD, uh, to the board in mm-hmm. number one, that, hey, we're Hispanics. We're the bread and butter of this, uh, of this district. Yeah. We're, I believe it's 63%, uh, identify as Hispanic in the district. Uh, one of the speakers got up and basically said, if this were to go through, we will pull our kids out of the district. I think that using the Hispanic culture here is, number one, to run interference so that it's not we're not having to look at some of these faiths that are preaching some of these, uh, some, why these people are opposing it. And number two, I think it's to, to send the message to TUSD that if you were to do this, you were going to get big backlash That's from... That's very interesting. i got to yeah. admit, you know, as a, as a pasty white liberal, I might hesitate to, to be critical because I wouldn't want to be accused of racism. That's that's the the tough part that's my to silly. It's it's a uh, it's actually no. That's that's why I think that it's hard for some of the board to like. Oh well, wait a minute here. Yeah. This is uh, do do we really want to mess around with people who are claiming to be a majority of yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> of our students. I, uh, I love this subject uh, as the father of three. Uh, <laughs> I never wanted to have the talk. There is nothing more miserable or painful than having. Did you ever have the talk with your, did your parents Ooh. ever sit either of you down and have a talk? I think that's where we we're going to go a little Yeah, there this. was um, a book that was left on my bed when I, I don't know, fifth grade, however, oh, fourth or fifth grade, and it was like... Lady Chatterley's Lover? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't read that till college. Uh, no, it was like, uh, your body is changing, or, you know, one uh, of those sort of, what's going on mm-hmm. with your... Uh, Parts. Pu- yeah, puberty. <laughs> but no, I do not remember having any sort of um, talk... Mm-hmm. I do remember my mom saying, if you're gay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember anything. And I think my brother mentioned my dad trying to have, like, the talk. Um, and I can only imagine how that went. <laughs> uh, for me, it was yeah. it was a little weird. Uh, it came in kind of two stages. Um, ah. In junior high, my parents signed up through our church. We were went to a Catholic church, uh-huh. uh, some sort of event where me and my dad, everybody else stayed, stayed up in Cass Grand. We came down to Tucson. There was a, it was a meeting of like 10 or 12 dads and their sons. Uh, and while ostensibly it was about sex ed, they tried to kind of dress it up so that it was more about decision-making and you're uh-huh. an investigator. Um, there were still, you know, teaching you about the penis and the vagina, a little yeah. bit of that. But in between that were like detective uh, little really? drills that we would do. Edward, what are you doing in there? Edward, <laughs> I'm investigating. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so for me, I, I think to that point that Genesis was bringing up, I, ideally it would be your parents that do teach you this, but at school – because we did not have real sex ed, especially in junior high and and elementary school, a lot of what I would consider, you know, my my sex ed was from those uh, those other students around me who were like, hey, you know, you just put your pee pee in the vajayjay, and that's right. That's where the bureau of misinformation exactly. Yeah. And we in that time used gay as a derogative, yeah. um, even though. We had no understanding of what what it actually meant to be gay. All it meant to us at that time was things were bad. That's yeah. a bad thing, and that's the sort of I think with when you don't have comprehensive curriculums like the family yeah. life one, that's the danger you run is that raising children who while they might be educated in math and science. Have no idea. Man, I think that's what it. Sex is. That's it for the Daily Devil because I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, I love the fact that your religion will drive you to a TUSD meeting to discuss this issue. But unless your kid is Amish and they don't have access to a computer and they've never once thought of Googling the word sex, forget it. I so felt far. my role as a parent, honestly, with my three kids was to uh, attempt to uh, save their lives and give them health advice. But I wouldn't do it in a, in a direct fashion. It would be, you know, just walking through the living room. Hey, by the way, hey, ever put a condom on banana? Listen, I got to go run. Uh, yeah. It's great talk. Okay, fun talking to you. My, uh, my daughter, uh, when she was 30, she said, Dad, do you remember when we had that talk? Uh, yeah. 
uh, you took me out for a cup of coffee, and I wasn't drinking coffee yet. I was like six. I hated the coffee. Yeah. And then you told me way too much information about yourself. Like, I don't understand what that was about. Uh, but, you know, I thought it was really sweet, but I was humoring you. What? Oh, yeah, I've been sexually active for years. I share that story with every parent who brags about their perfect child. Because my daughter was a nerd. I would pick her up at the library every day. When I heard her anecdote, I thought, where? Where? On the roof? In an arroyo? <laughs> I know. It was that construction crew down the street. So, you know, I love this conversation, but wow, it's, uh, it's quite a drift yeah. from, the, from reality and the real world we live in. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And, and if you look at the, I looked at some of the, like, Family Watch International I think was one of the yeah. some of the groups that were uh, part of yeah. the opposition. There's this whole like other dimension sort of uh, campaign going on against comprehensive sex education, where it's just outright wrong and accurate, not factual about what the curriculum actually involves and. It's, I think a lot of people are being fueled by these just wrong notions and fear tactics about what kids will be learning and what it means. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is, is part of what is uh, clouding this conversation. And also, yeah. if there are people who say, uh, you know, like the LGBTQ and uh non-binary genders and fluidity and all that stuff. That's not part of our culture. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, you're just not maybe aware. Yeah, yeah. you're just not participating yeah. in it. Um, so to me, I think a little bit of this rings as a, a kind of a Trojan horse by folks who... Trojan yeah. horse! <laughs> Zing. Oh. I'm here all week. Um, by folks who think of public education uh, in totally negative terms, who are totally against the idea of public education to begin with, um, who are, would like to see public education go the route of privatization uh, and yeah. charter schools. I think that you, you, I think there is a hint of that in this as well, um, especially when you hear the folks that are like, who are you at school to be qualified talking about things that you're an expert on? Like, for real, come on now. Let's let's think about this a little bit. They they're an expert in there. That's why they're teaching. Um, so I I think for me a little bit of this goes back to this total right wing. Um, just kind of get your foot into the door and figure out a way yeah. to create doubt uh, in well, the system. I gotta admit, I can see their arguments. Uh, after my daughter, I, I decided to raise my both of my sons with. Biblical sex ed. <laughs> and I, I told them, for example, if you discover that your bride on your wedding night is not a virgin, stone her. It's right there in a good book. It is. So. so what, how did you learn, David? How did I learn? <laughs> about, or, because. Strangely I, enough, from my mother. Well, My mother was a very, I guess by some standards, one might say earthy or vulgar person, but she was exceedingly frank. So when I was about age 11, I was terrified 
to learn the truth. It sounded horrifying to me. You do what? Oh, no! Ew. Ew, this sounds horrible. And it was all true that she, yeah. Yeah, strange. It was all true. Yeah, so I went to the, I went to the schoolyard the next day as the reigning expert. Check it out. Gather around, boys. Gather around. I got some stories to tell you. You will not believe what you can do with segments of your head. <laughs> I do remember a rumor at one point, and I don't remember how old it was, but if you, of course, the classic, if you have sex for the first time, you can't get pregnant. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Mm, so true. And then also, <laughs> if uh, presumably, I'm assuming the woman is wearing high heels, you can't get pregnant. Oh, that's, that's good idea. advice. Wow. So, huh. that's, <sighs> Yeah. Some, we need more high heeled <laughs> women walking around. Wow. Damn. High high heel information. Yeah. yeah. Where do these come from? You know, I gotta admit, actually, I think my mother was making up because uh, I believed a lie for years. And I would tell uh guests in our household this story. Uh because when I was about five or six, I found a mysterious box in the closet belonged to my mother that contained a product. Oh. And uh, oh, I know where this is going. Uh, I believe it was sanitary napkins, but I did not know what they were. Mom, what's this? And she said, "Honey, those are mouse beds." <laughs> mouse beds. Oh, you're the nicest mom ever. <laughs> Put them right back. Never gave any thought to the fact. I never saw a single mouse. mouse. <laughs> My mom is. She's got like storage in case we have guests. It's like. 30 mice decide to sleep over. <laughs> my, my, one of my best friends in um, middle school, Denise, uh, her younger sister used maxi pads as Barbie beds. Oh, they are beds. And, and my brother, I'm sure he will enjoy the world knowing this. Um, oh, man. Would uh, get into the tampons. Oh, uh, nice. Okay. And uh, glue little fins and like missiles. And missiles and turn them into like bombers. <laughs> yes. It was very inventive. And I remember my mom having to tell him, like, stop using these. I'll get you some of your own. <laughs> yeah. I guess we all needed a little bit of sex there. Yeah. We're a little rough around the edges. So, uh, moving on to probably one of the um, unsexiest things, mm-hmm. uh, the Democratic debate tonight. Ooh. We have how many candidates? Mm, ten, ten tonight. Ten tonight. Yeah. It's a um, one-night-only thing this time. Yeah. I guess I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> or maybe the YouTube segment that's, you know, it's trimmed down to like 30 seconds, the highlights. No, I'll watch the whole thing. <laughs> So everyone's talking about, you know, it's the first time Biden and Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren will be on the same stage facing Bernie off. too. Yeah. Bernie. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Um, do you expect any sort of fireworks? I'm look. I'm not sure. <laughs> that was more parties. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Building parties. Hey, Abby, what do you think? I'm not sure <laughs> how Mr. Biden is gonna be coming in here. No. Um I think that <laughs> What we, what I'm going to be looking for tonight is how 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 much space is between Biden and the two liberal candidates, the the more more left wing candidates, yeah. Bernie and Warren, um, and on issues of Medicare or you know healthcare, 
uh, on issues of national security. I want to see where the real policy differences are between those three. Because How weird. To you me, be a they, journalist to care about this <laughs> policy stuff. What about the personalities? Personality. Don't get me wrong. Personalities are important, especially yeah. in this age of <laughs> the celebrity president. Yeah. You've got to be able to, to perform on yeah. camera. But more than anything, I'm looking for the real differences right now. This is the first time we'll have the real the, the carrier of the moderate, uh, you know, uh, standard bearer and the two liberal standard bearers here. Let's find out what are the Democrats really about. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them all attempt to reassure their various bases. Mm. You know, uh, Warren attempting to reassure, well, I guess just about everyone that she's not scary. Or a hypocrite. Or a hypocrite. Uh, and Biden attempting to reassure everyone that he's still alive. How old is he? <laughs> Seventy says. He's gaff. He's he's a gaff machine right now too. Yeah, he's a gaff machine. That makes me so nervous. But yeah, so I guess it's going to be. uh, He's going to attempt to reassure us that he's capable of standing on the debate stage with Donald Trump and defeating him. And Warren's got to persuade me that she's not scary. As much as I agree with all of her policies, do you think that? It is effective when the Democratic candidates go after each other. Is that it is are they running a risk of beating up on each other during the primary when really Democrats, many Democrats that I've talked to are saying we just need someone who will defeat Trump. Is there danger hmm. there? I don't know. I'm thinking it's so early that it'll be forgotten. It'll be forgotten by uh or will October. It be decided. Oh, that would be, uh, I think that'd be wonderful, actually, if it were decided, don't you? I mean, that'd be a surprise, but perhaps there'll be a a fatal blow of some kind. I don't know what it would be. See, so I think of this, it's it's situational. It's always going to be different candidate to candidate, debate to debate. I think in this debate, if you are somebody in the bottom five looking up, if you're a Beto, if you're a uh, Klobacher, Klobuchar. Uh, Klobuchar, excuse me, Klobacher, Klobuchar. Uh, if you're a Mayor, Mayor Pete, yeah. um, that right now drawing a contrast between yourself and Joe Biden or yourself and Elizabeth Warren by going after them is actually probably a pretty good, pretty good strategy. Yeah, okay. If you were a on the other end of that, if you were a Biden or a, a Warren, I think punching down does no does nothing for you this point i think you absorb it i think that you kind of try and redirect the argument at that point what i do want to see a little bit more of is the candidates organically kind of going after each other and not so much of uh hey sarah did you hear that uh fitz said something bad about you bad last night uh what do you got to say to that i don't want to hear any more of that i don't like the the manufactured drama that cnn Mm -hmm. tried last time um I'd like to see it be a little bit more like a straight policy. I did hear, and I think it was on the media on NPR um, during my drive to the grocery store over Mm. the weekend, uh, talking about the various like climate town halls that CNN has has Mm. had and just how much better the questions are from the quote unquote real people than, uh, than your standard debate questions have been. Uh, with from CNN and, and the different hosts. And part of that is exactly right. The such and such said, 
so-and-so said something bad about you, respond. Or no. are you a racist? <laughs> respond. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff that, what are you supposed to say? Why, yes, when they criticize me, they were exactly right. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I, I sort of suspect maybe it's because the journalists are so, uh, there's so much a part of the inside baseball that they they sort of lose the, the bigger picture. And they're just chasing what's hot that hour, I, which is usually a, a tweet. I think part of it is that and part of it is... Once you you got to try and get some conflict. I think that yeah. CNN especially values, hey, this person said that. Person from the other side, what do you have to say? That is kind of CNN. If you just watch the two yeah. debates that have happened, that is CNN's kind of like go-to. MSNBC was much more like, let me let you talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. All That's 25 true, yeah. of you. Um but to me, I think it's because they, they think that there is value in that conflict and that they think there's clicks and eyes that are attracted to that. So uh, businessman Andrew Yang ah. is going to be there tonight. Marianne Williamson sadly did not make the cut. Oh. Yang has the, been moving. The moon must be in a different phase. <sighs> um, but, yeah, what do you think we're going to hear from Andrew Yang? And what do you think the ap- appeal is? Uh, other than, hey, I want the $1,000 he's talking about giving me. I really can't imagine what it is beyond the $1,000, other than it might be uh, fellow techies who have great confidence that a man with his kind of technological insights can resolve some of our more complex issues. So I've got an interesting little take on Yang. I think that Yang appeals to a segment of the Trump electorate that... Bernie has also appealed to that Bernie bro kind of uh, segment. Uh, Yang has been, if you followed the polls the last month, Yang has been the big mover. I think he's in the top five right now. I think he's right outside the top four. Um, For me, I think his big appeal is this sort of libertarian ish, but still liberal kind of message that he has. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars, but he still talks a little bit about like, Cutting back on other social safety nets. So to me, I think there's a, 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 a sort of appeal for him, not necessarily to the right, but more towards the center. But it's not the traditional center that we think of. It's more of this libertarian, I'm going to go at my own, that sort of center. Not necessarily a traditional Joe Biden centrist. Yeah, I think will. that's a I think that's a good analysis. I think if anything, you might have a romantic view of our fellow citizens. That all of our fellow citizens will take this revenue and they'll spend it prudently and wisely, be good for the economy, and they'll better their lives. And thus, you won't need those social nets. It's an interesting argument, isn't it? it that is if an you give argument. people enough to worry about, you know, their their essentials, that they'll be able to worry now about, hey, well, now that I've got that taken care of, maybe I can be a little bit more entrepreneurial in spirit, or maybe yeah. I can pursue a degree that I wasn't able to to a while back. I have to give him credit that he's addressing the issue of automation, oh. and what it's going to do to the labor force in the United States. He's the first candidate to really talk about that, uh, that future that looms for all of us. Mm-hmm. He's a smart guy. I think he brings something new to the Democrats that we haven't seen probably, I think, in the last, well, I mean, Obama was running it, so definitely in the last eight years. Um, 
I'll be interested to see how he does tonight. I, I, I like what he has to say. I love 2000 bucks or excuse me, a thousand bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think that when it comes down to it, he's, he's on the outside looking in. Yeah. So David, what do you have for us with your correspondence? Oh, uh, I have a letter, uh, that I want to share with you from a, a lovely, uh, reader who is very critical of my work and we have an occasional little back and forth. And uh, she liked the column I wrote last week about visiting the grandkids and trying to persuade them to be uh, U of A kids. Uh, and she wrote me a, a note right after that one saying, I guess you're not a commie. We just have strong differences of opinion. The U of A ASU rivalry seems to go beyond a rivalry. I don't share that history. I keep wishing I could find someone to discuss politics with because I simply cannot understand where the other side is coming from and the other side cannot understand where I'm coming from. I've tried with some girlfriends, and we just agree we don't talk about it. For me, it's about policies, not personalities. I'm very conservative, but I think the government should stay the hell out of everything. Anyway, I think you're quite a pleasant person, and your writing is outstanding. <laughs> I enjoy sparring with you. I've tried not to listen to too much cable news, because all of it, Pisses me off. Pisses me off, too. I think both sides have lost their minds. I look forward to more of your articles. This one hit home. Mm. We're lovers now. Yeah. <laughs> it's wrong. U of A brings lovers funny. together. Yeah. Yeah. That was perhaps the most reasonable letter I've ever received from yeah. a Trump supporter. Yeah. From the, the back and forth. Yeah. I, I share her disdain for cable news. I, I think that both sides, if you watch, it's it's... Hard to come home with anything, number one, positive that happened during a day. Yeah. And number two, with anything accurate. A lot of times they just let the talking heads kind of take over and you get this warped perception of what the policy that she's looking for, what it might actually be. And so yeah. that's where I can see like that whole personality or policy over personality. I, I can I can see that criticism. I'm sure it's generational too. The poor woman, poor woman's probably from the generation that reads. What the? Who does that? Who does that? Crazy. So weird. Words. Yeah. Video. That's where it's at, baby. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of video, you did a quick video about scooting. Oh, the scooters are here, folks. They are dropping today, and we're recording this on Thursday. Not dropping. (laughs) Um, I think that as much as I love riding these things around, I mean, I love it. Um, I think it's going to be a disaster. I just do not see this ending well in Tucson. I see it probably ending before the six-month pilot is up. Do you think that we are more... Or less coordinated than other communities? I don't think that... Well, perhaps our streets are. Um, I think that in the areas that these would be used in high-density areas, i.e. downtown 4th Avenue, that the the current uh, infrastructure, the roads, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the... Excuse me, the trolley or the... Uh, the streetcar that runs through it. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't really allow for the space for these things to work. Um, in, yeah. a, in any in a safe way, at least I I believe, if you bring them on the sidewalks, the sidewalks are usually used in this town by folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you start getting these things outside of those areas where they're 
is density. You start running into problems where are these streets paved well enough? Do Is there enough space on the street? Is the, if you can't ride on the street, are there even sidewalks in that area of town for you to ride on? To me, this is these are the sort of things that work very well in areas with high tourism rates uh, yeah. and, and a little bit higher density than we have in Tucson and with better paved streets. It's a well-intentioned concept. It is. It's kind of an attempt to engineer our behavior. Yeah. You know, to be to be conscious mm-hmm. about climate. To scale down our, yeah. our use of, of transportation to a human scale instead right. of these big things. Well, how big? Have you ridden one? Oh, many. Yeah. How big are the tires? My concern is always, I remember when I would uh, ride my kids' scooters, I hit a, I hit a bumper. I, I'm down. The tires on these things are, uh, number one, on the Razor scooters, they, they're almost like bike tires. They're a little bit bigger scooter. You can actually wow. sit on those ones. Wow. On the Bird scooters, they're like the scooters you were talking yeah. about. But the, the wheels themselves are, are pretty tough. But if you hit a big enough rock or a big enough crack in the road yeah. with either of these two, uh-huh. you're, you're you're either going to the side or you're going to be eating your teeth. That's so. I, that's I assume is that a concern? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, I in is if I'm riding them in Tucson, I will be riding with a helmet that they provided me with. I just I'm Mister Safety when it comes to that sort of thing. I think that's your new nickname, Mister hey, Safety. Mr. Safety. Mr. Safety. All right. Speedy delivery. <laughs> Good old Mr. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, um, David, you have something coming up, right? Uh, yeah, well, I got two things coming up. It will be in France. I've got, uh, I've got a gallery show. Uh, my work is at the Contreras Gallery, and it'll be up until uh, Saturday, September 29th. Uh, so check out my uh, cartoons at uh, the Contreras Gallery downtown. And also in October, uh, I am producing a uh, fundraiser uh, for Making Strides Against Breast Cancer, which is it was born out of uh, another thing, a fundraiser called Thanks for the Memories, which the ladies really seem to enjoy. Uh, October 16th, you can only get the tickets uh, online. Look uh, for the promotions on uh, Facebook. And our headliner is from New York City. Her name is Lori Brownstone. She is so funny, and I did not remember her because I wrote her a thank you note for flying to Tucson to do this show in October. And she said, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, uh, Lori, no. I worked at a Citizen for many years. I said, oh my gosh, you're Mrs. Meisel. And she is. Wow. She's a big star in Greenwich Village and uh, Manhattan. I Facebooked her, and she's wow, she's all over the place on the island. So if you can make it there, you can make it just about anywhere. Go except for the citizen. Aren't you going to France too? I'm going to France. Isn't that for like a couple of weeks? Drawing? Yeah, drawing cartoons. Yeah, That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, French government's inviting me. Just don't tell anybody I dream of Hammond. Okay, <laughs> just a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to our varied conversations today. Um, If you want to reach us, please send a letter to the editor at Tucson.com slash opinion. Or you can reach me individually at S-G-A-S-S-E-N at Tucson.com. That's S-Gasson at Tucson.com. 
and you can reach me at eCelaya, that's E-C-E-L-A-Y-A, at Tucson.com. And my email rhymes with Lunar. Tuner, T-O-O-N-E-R, at Tucson.com. So we want to remind you that our opinions belong to us and are not necessarily those of Lee Enterprises. And thanks for being with us. We will talk to you real soon. Thanks again, folks. Adios. Adios.